Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey there, heroes. This week I chatted with Bree Sheldon about their game Turn, which is about being a shapeshifter in a small town. This game is a deconstructive and destructive approach to Powered by the Apocalypse, and we dig a bit into what that means in practice. We also chat about the central themes of the game, keeping a big secret in a small town, forging connections with others like you, and how to share those secret parts of yourself. We talk about the weight of violence as a choice, and about the joy of role-playing those quieter, more mundane times, too. So, let's get to the show. Hey, heroes. This week we are talking to Bree Sheldon again, and we're going to talk about their game Turn this time, which is about shapeshifters and small towns. And I'm really excited to learn more about this. So, hey, Bree. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. First of all, though, congratulations on Behind the Mask. Thank you very much. It was a success, and we're really happy about that. And obviously, your support helped so much. So, thank you. Yeah, I, I finally got to open my mail, like, yesterday, I think, or like just a couple of days ago that things pile up sometimes. Um, but I finally got to pay, like look at the book and page through it. And it's it's beautiful. I, I know we talked about it being a zine. And I think that gives people a certain expectation for quality. But this is gorgeous. Thank you. It, a lot of work from the contributors. And, you know, I put a lot of time into it. And uh, aside from a couple of stragglers and me getting the contributors their copies, we're actually completely <laughs> done with uh, sending stuff out. Uh, oh, wow. So it's it's going to be figuring out what to do with remaining copies from the order and stuff like that from now on. But everyone works so hard. I'm just yeah. so happy to see it, you know, finished and available. Uh, it's up on HIO on mine as uh, HIO for PDF right now. Cool. And I was just, I was really excited to get them all out the door and to everyone before I left for Big Bad Con and come, <laughs> come back to like all the notifications that people were getting it. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. everybody's sharing their cool pictures on Twitter. And yeah. That was fun to watch. That's got to be like a fulfillment record. Good job. <laughs> we were technically late to my schedule because I can't put the game over the health of my contributors. And mm-hmm. um, we had some people who had some health stuff that delayed the work a bit. And yeah. uh, so I was like, okay, well, the game comes second. And that's it. That's how we ended up being, I think, only just like a couple of weeks behind schedule. But, you know, we still did it. <laughs> we yeah. still did it. You did. That's huge, though, in the world of Kickstarter stuff and, and games in general. Like, that's amazing. So awesome. Thank you. And now we're going to talk this time about your game. Yes. Uh, called Turn. And how long have you been working on Turn? Because I think it's it's been a little while, right? Yeah, so I actually started work on Turn in 2013. And mm. I did a whole bunch of like in my head deconstructive design and destructive design and, and like took a lot of time to figure out what I wanted out of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. And then in like 2016, I wrote like a whole bunch of stuff down in like two weeks. And, (laughs) and, uh, then the, it's mostly been the same. Like there's been some ideas for things I could do in the future with it. Like maybe you could Mm -hmm. like have advanced forms that would be more, you know, complicated. And then I was just Mm -hmm. like, nah, I really just like this first thing that I wrote down. Um, (laughs) there's been refinement, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it basically stayed in my head for like three years. (laughs) 
and just yeah. dumped all out all at once. You got to go with that initial instinct. It's usually pretty good. Yeah. So <laughs> cool. So what inspired Turn? So one, it, it it is important to note that I grew up in a small town and mm. I'm kind of, uh, I'm a suburbanite, but definitely very at heart, deeply care about rural living and small town mm-hmm. living. And, uh, I played Monster Hearts. I think it was a session that was run by Kira McGran and uh, I played with like Strasha Shimovic and everything. And it was a really great game, but it didn't satisfy like one thing that I was looking for. And I didn't know what that was exactly. And that's part of where the design started is I, I wanted to find out what this thing was and how I can fix it. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I would say, yeah, like, the experience playing Monster Hearts kind of revealed to me that there was something missing in my gaming experiences, and I wanted to make the game that would fix it. Oh, interesting. So it seems like you figured out what that thing that was missing was. I think so. Uh, yeah. Turn is my favorite game I've ever played. It Every every time I play it, and even when I run it, I it's just so satisfying in a way that nothing else has ever been for me. And maybe I'll get you know, kind of lucky in a weird way and find another thing that I need to be satisfied by and make a whole new, you know, brand new game <laughs> someday. But mm-hmm. it's a, uh, it's kind of hard to describe. Part of it is I wanted to be in a small town because that mm-hmm. is still a experience that I left the small town I grew up in and moved to the suburbs. And mm-hmm. I miss many elements of that as much as I struggle with elements of the small town. Right. And so that and, you know, the the uh, the focus on balance between identities and community are two huge things in turn and also a slice of life aspect. Yeah. So small towns. So I definitely didn't grow up in one. What what constitutes a small town to you? So both like population and like what are characteristics that make a small town? So for for like real life small towns have a pretty wide range actually. They go up to like 20,000 people or something like that. Mm. For the purposes of the game, I restricted it between 1,000 and 5,000 people because that's mm. just enough people that maybe if you try you can get lost in a crowd, but few enough people that you will always be recognized by someone every time you go to the Walmart. <laughs> oh boy. Oh. Uh, I live in a big city now, so that sounds kind of like it could be annoying (laughs) it can be i mean there is something really nice sometimes about being able to always find someone you know um Mm -hmm. that's something like i always loved growing up yeah and like like my whole family is basically from small towns in one way or another and uh another aspect of it is is you know the tightness the closeness of community the way everybody knows each other is important. The the machine of gossip, because mm. everybody knows everybody and everybody hears something <laughs> about people every day. And I, I really, I also like, you know, the aspect of how close it can be to wilderness, um, sometimes mm. embedded deeply in it. Uh, you have a lot of geographical options for small towns because they can be pretty much anywhere. Mm. Um, yeah. And that gives you a lot of options. Like the game is currently set pretty exclusively in the U.S. I'm working on changing that. And th- there's some stretch goals, potentially, that, that oh, could cool. lead to some possibilities there. But for now, like, the main set, it's all animals that can, even if you kind of uh, mutate the name of them a little, 
or like how their bodies work or something, they can fit in most of the U.S. Oh, okay. So is it is it the animals that you have that are kind of limiting you to the U.S. or is it something about the setting itself that that's limiting it to to being like North America? So it's it's a combination of the animals and my experiences. Oh, okay. And a lot of people have asked me about like going out and asking other people to do stuff. And I am looking at that for some stretch goals. But for Mm -hmm. the main book, it was important for me to tell the contained story that came with the environment I knew and was familiar with. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of flexibility, I think, with some things. But like, whenever you build the towns, there's like the town types and they are pretty American in the way that they are translated. And, you know, the beasts are very much like from American places for the most part. Like there's wolves, cougars, bisons, ravens, uh, mm. otters, raccoons, bears, and snakes. I, th- I think that's all eight. I think I counted. <laughs> but there's a lot. But there's a lot of flexibility still even in that. Like geographically, the U.S. has a lot of different climates, a lot of different cultures within it. And so there's still a lot to explore in small towns, even when, you know, you put it near-ish, a bigger town. They're supposed to be rural, but big towns have big reach. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I love a lot about small towns, but you also deal with a lot of things like prejudice and struggles with the social order. And yeah, there's a lot of price you pay for peace and quiet. Yeah. And I, I like that you put a lot of that stuff right up front to kind of not only explain what the game is about, but to kind of get people like me in that mindset, because that that's not something that I have a lot of experience. Like it's something I have experienced visiting briefly, but it's not something I, I have lived. Yeah. And like a- addressing the issues that come up too. Cause I, I think like when we think about small towns in the media, I, they get focused on as the extremes, mm-hmm. like either very, very good or like very bad, very scary. And there's never like that nice middle, like they can be both things. They can be all of these things. And they really can be so many things. Like they, there are some places that are pretty far to one side or the other of the, this is a very stressful, scary place. And this is a very wonderful, idyllic place. But mm-hmm. everything has the skeletons in the closet and everything also has silver linings. So in my experience, I've lived in three small towns in um, southwestern Pennsylvania and spent a lot of time Mm. in my grandparents' small towns as well and Mm. visited plenty in various parts of the world. And I I think that there's something about the, the way that it can be both bad and good so significantly in such a small space that it really makes a difference to me. Yeah, it's really interesting. So turn is always set in a small town, and the players are always shapeshifters. Correct. Are other people in the town shapeshifters, or are they the only ones, or is that kind of part of it? It depends on what which of the the human roles you choose, uh, whether it's like required or not. But most of the time, the family members of some of the shifters or all of the shifters, there's a history of shifters in the family. Or something like that. And they, there are occasionally other shifter NPCs. So it's definitely not like the majority of the town. No. Or anything. I think the highest percentage of shifters to people we've ever had was like 2% of the full town was, uh, shapeshifters. Oh, wow. Okay. So this, this <laughs> definitely like a secret. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because a lot of it is about hiding it. Mm-hmm. 
or maybe trying to find a way to reveal it safely or something. Mm. Trying to find a way to be accepted, even in a place that may not accept you. It's a, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of mundanes, both beasts and humans. <laughs> like there are mm-hmm. animals that are mundane and there are humans that are mundane. And then there are a couple of sh- other shifters, um, that are part of the story. Like the air is one of the human roles and they have a family of shifters. Ooh. And it doesn't necessarily mean everyone in the family is a shifter. It means it's in their lineage. Oh, cool. And then maybe we should back up and talk about building the town. We can do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Since since a lot of this is going to be reading through it, a lot of it was like player decided, mm-hmm. it looks like. So it varies from game to game. So so yeah, how how do you go about building this town that the players are in? So the towns in turn, while I'm hoping to have a pack of them that are partially pre-made for people's use to release, typically when you play, you build your town and you mm-hmm. do that by creating a map. You, it uses circles and connecting lines on a map. And you add, uh, like, you name the town, you decide, like, where it is vaguely geographically and uh, what the climate's like and stuff like that. And you figure out how many people are in the town. And then you get to do this cool thing where, uh, you, you like, you choose a type of town. So there are a couple of different ones. Like, there's, like, college towns, government towns, tourist towns, way stations, and a couple of others. And these all have themes attached to them. And Mm. themes are things like tradition or poverty or wealth or waste. And one of them, I think, even has hope. Uh, (laughs) And um, you put these on the map. The town map is not a necessarily, like, geographically relevant map. It is Mm. a map of the people, the ideas, and then some of the locations uh, and stuff like that. And... um, so the town elements are the um, themes, which are taken mm-hmm. from the town types, the bloodlines, which are basically the families that have the potential to be shifters, but are otherwise just important families in the town. Then you have locations, which are places where shifters can gather. Sometimes they're contentious places. Sometimes they're fun places. There's been things like an old 7-Eleven lot, and mm-hmm. there's been... Uh, tons of coffee shops and bars and restaurants and stuff. Um, but also like spots of forest and, and things like that. Do the, the establishments, like the places that are, are businesses or something like that, do they know that they're a spot for shapeshifters? No. Or are they just? <laughs> Most of the time, no. Um, cool. we've had a couple that did where like they had a really formal shifter culture in the town. Mm. And, Cause you, you answer questions during the start of play, uh, for discovering turn. And Mm -hmm. in those, it says, you know, is there a formal culture of shifters? Do they have codes Mm. in regards to these things? And then later it asks, like, how does it feel to shift? And, like, all of this stuff. And uh, it's very very player input focused. Mm -hmm. And you also get to add events to the town, which um, can add a lot of richness to it. Uh, we've had everything from pumpkin chunkin' to <laughs> we have had, like, so many Founders Days because they're just a really good thing to, like, cause stress with. Oh, yeah. And elections. And um, then we had one called Soups On, which was when, like, a huge fog <laughs> descended on this island town. And huh. uh, it had, like, a historical relevance for the shifters that this started getting worse whenever one of the shifters had been exposed. And Ooh. yeah, it was really like, oh, it got so good. Uh, <laughs> it was oh, one of my man. favorites. 
But yeah, like the town building is really rich. It's a lot of people say it's one of their favorite parts of the game just because without it, like the game itself probably would not be as enjoyable. Yeah. Well, you're, yeah, everyone's getting invested and in, in buying into this, this really cool place that, yeah, I think if you had just handed them something, it wouldn't feel the same. It wouldn't feel like yours, you know? Yeah. Cool. So, so that, that's most of building a town is, uh, was there anything, anything more for discovering turn or the, those sort of the questions that get asked at that point? Sure. Um, so discovering turn is asked, uh, like the questions, there's like four, then three, then three or something like that, um, that are asked at the start of play. And then also the first time someone risks exposure, um, and exposure mm-hmm. is a mechanic in the game that has to do with the ability of mundanes to, to determine that you're a shifter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the first time someone turns or is in uh, alternate form. So like if you start the game and people are in opposing forms, you typically ask like, the question of, you know, the questions that lead up from the, the turn questions. So and gotcha. it's a, it's very, um, it's basically supposed to like make people think about things like, do shifters have a code that prevents them from harming humans? Mm. Um, or is their agreement not to expose themselves to the town like spoken agreement or unspoken agreement (laughs) oh yeah and uh one of my favorite ones which it actually establishes a rule and some people don't catch it until like you ask the question is uh it is clear that shapeshifters in turn cannot leave town for like extended periods of time why uh like what happened to the last shifter who tried Ooh, yeah oh that's cool and so that's one of my favorite ones because like it it's basically just it's putting a little bit of uh, a cap on what's going on, why you're still there and things like that. Yeah, I like that. I can see that, like, it keeps play from going to, well, we all just moved to the city and that's just how we live now. <laughs> like, the, well, then why are you play the game? Like, <laughs> Right. Like, because there's uh, any number of reasons shapeshifters would not have a great life in the city. Like, let's be honest. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, especially ones that can be stressed out like you can in turn. Um, and that yeah. can make you change your form regardless of your intent. Ooh. Yep. It's very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well then let's, let's jump into, um, who these shapeshifters are. I like, I like the character sheets that, that you've got so far. How it's, there's two different sheets, but there's like a mix and match thing going on. Yes. Which is very cool. So should we talk about the, the human form first? Or how's the, how's a good way to kind of explain how characters work? So basically, like, the way you typically create characters is you choose your human role first, and then you choose your beast archetype. And some people have mixed opinions about whether this is the right way to do it, and that's totally fine. <laughs> if they decide to break the rules, sure. But the reason why you do your human role first is because it is the one that has the tightest hold on your choice. Oh. That's just kind of an important thing about the game is humanity has a way of getting in the way of letting you make decisions. Oh, interesting. Okay. So there are seven human roles Mm -hmm. um, and they are the beast born who are like born beasts um, and brought Mm -hmm. into human society in some special secret way. Heirs, which are their families are not just heirs in the town. Uh, they, they have important relevance to the town somehow, but they also are as shifters, a legacy. Oh, okay. 
And then there is the late bloomer who uh, typically has turned within the last like six or so months before mm. start of game, which is always exciting. Like that's their first mm-hmm. time they turned and oh. it's a lot to adjust to. The, their role talks a lot about like the ease of human life mm. and like access that you have. And then there's the yeah. lover who uh, knows they cannot exist with uh, less than two hearts and needs mm. to find someone to love in whatever way. Love is very mutable in the game. It doesn't have to be a romantic love. Oh, okay. I like that. Thank you. Uh, it was really important to me because I know not everyone has that. And um, yeah. so you can have friend love, family love, whatever, but you're mm. just looking for like a companion or more than one. Yeah. Then we have the organizer who is kind of the, the person who gets stuff done in like plans things and is on top of it all which is sometimes a disaster for them in game um yeah <laughs> oops i'm a bear like mm, that's gonna be fun we once had an organizer bison that um oh. nearly turned into a bison in the mayor's office and it was beautiful it was so good it was one of the funniest scenes um and then we have the overachiever who um I, I don't know if you know um, Bryant Stone or Dante, who is mm. one of the uh, one of my friends who I met at like Colorado and Big Bad Con. Mm. I let him look at <laughs> I let him look at these, uh-huh. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, I the only person who could write that is the person who is that." Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but the overachiever is that person who has to do everything to the absolute best they can all the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the show-off is the last of the roles, and they are just literally a show-off. Like, they want to be over the top and, like, do things that are dangerous and adventurous all the time. And it is a lot. They mm. they almost risk changing the tone of the game, but most of the time the other roles keep them in check pretty solidly. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I could I could see them being like, I'll fine, I'll turn into a bison right here, and ha- why not? Yeah, it. Social pressure is a very wonderful thing. Okay, good. (laughs) Because there are basically rules for what happens when you um, get, like, fully exposed and everything. Mm. There's a... When when you reach the end of your exposure track with the town or with an NPC, you have to go through a role Mm -hmm. and everything. And the, the humans deal with that, you know, and so do the beasts. Uh, and there are eight beasts, which are um, pretty self-explanatory, but just by title. Uh, bear, bison, cougar, otter, raccoon, raven, snake, and wolf. Awesome. Was there any concern when you were making these about uh, compatibility between all of the human forms and all of the animal forms? Or was that just a non-issue? So a lot of people are like, aren't you worried this is going to be overpowered? And I'm not actually. Uh, so cool. I thought about it really, really hard <laughs> because I was like, oh, I don't want to make a game that's like really imbalanced. And then I realized that I don't super care about balance. <laughs> yeah. Um, because the narrative actually and the consequences from struggles almost always kind of balance things out, r- regardless yeah. of how powerful a character seems to be. Because some of them sync up really well. Mm-hmm. None of them seem to go badly together from what we've played. And we've played. Like, we have a year-long campaign and a bunch of shorter playtests and campaigns. Like, nothing seemed to come across really badly. 
And whenever they do sync up pretty good, it's just, it's always like their best buddy is just like, oh, I'm sorry, I accidentally slashed your tires. Uh, it's just the kind of vibe. <laughs> like they somehow yeah. even it out. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, the games that you've played across like the campaign and, and the shorter sessions, were you making a point to try different combinations or did different people just, have they just sort of gravitated towards different matches? Everybody's always excited to try something different. Like, we haven't had a lot of stuff that overlaps. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'd say the only thing that has ever really overlapped is a lot of people want to play a raccoon show off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fits. <laughs> and it's a, it's a great combo, I will be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people just want to see what's different. Sometimes we were like, hey, would you mind trying this combo just so we can see if it's like your mm-hmm. vibe? And we've, we've had a pretty wide combination of like a pretty wide combination like yeah not a lot of overlap i don't think we've ever really had the same thing twice without like once being like yeah we've seen that once before but like you know if you want to play it you can because there's ways to build the beasts differently to start that can like totally change the way the game goes Ooh, okay man i bet this is really fun just with new people, just seeing where they take it. Yeah, it's been really fascinating. Have you been doing any tests at, like, cons or just around where you are? Yes. Like, with people you know? Oh, Um, So uh, the first test of the game was actually at Conlorado, which is, like, a smaller house con kind of thing, like, 2017. And I think that's right. Maybe? The year before? I don't don't know. It was a little while ago. Nobody at us. And then uh, recently I actually had it at big bad con and mm-hmm. then i had it at gauntlet con oh okay yeah that just that was just happening right <laughs> and it's not super right like in its base form it is not engineered for one shots but i'm working on a custom one shot plan to put out with the kickstarter to basically make it easier for people to one shot the game whenever they want because i know that's a high demand thing um yeah. but the game is actually intended for long-term play so unfortunately Many playtests due to like scheduling and stuff like that have only made it like three sessions or four sessions. Mm-hmm. But the long term one that we've played has been like unbelievable. It's been an amazing experience. Oh, awesome. I, I, I was curious if there is like an optimal amount of play, but if you, you've said you've been playing that one for over a year, right? Yeah. Um, so we play pretty far based apart. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many sessions in we are. I should have counted that, but I can't remember. Um, (laughs) but, uh, basically like we started playing and I'm playing with Kimberly Lamb and Kit Latouche and John Shelton, my husband. And, um, John's running. So I've gotten to play my character, Bo, hilariously. Uh, Mm. (laughs) it's not like I have that alternate name for nothing, Uh but, uh, it's, it's like so weird because you would think that after playing like a slice of life game, which is what turn really is for mm. more than like eight sessions. You'd be like, okay, <laughs> what now? Yeah. But it keeps getting more interesting every time. Ooh. <laughs> like every single session. We're just like, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. And it's like nothing huge. <sighs> it's, it's never like these big mm-hmm. scare. There's like not really much. Okay. There's one murder, but that was an accident and it's very hard to explain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> okay, full disclosure. Uh my character Bo in the game. 
before play starts. So in the history, mm-hmm. the night that um, he first turned was when mm-hmm. he got hit by a drunk driver uh, while driving. And mm-hmm. he got out of the car to like get in a fight with a guy because he was like a young 20-something and he was mad. Mm-hmm. Um, or a mid-20-something, I think, at this point. And uh, he didn't know that he was a shifter yet. And mm-hmm. uh, he was the late bloomer. And he kind of underestimated his strength. And so he was doing violence to the guy. He intended to hurt him. Yeah. His hurting went further than he had planned, but mm-hmm. he's still in control because you're always in control of your character. Um, the only thing that happens that you don't control is if you get stressed out, you shift. That's it. Gotcha. So he knew that that was a possibility, but he was like, I'm not that strong and yeah. did a stupid thing. So then he disposed of the body. And uh, that actually just came up in, like, th- it's like a year or so later, like two years, maybe, Yeah. Um, in game, maybe mm-hmm. a year and a half. And uh, the it, it's just been revealed that they found bones in the woods. Oh. <laughs> and they have, like, cougar teeth marks. <laughs> and Bo's, like, Oops. freaking out because he's like, that was me. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> I know that cougar. Ooh. And, uh, so it's very like, cause he did that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and he owns the responsibility, but like, how do you go to a jail and be like, Hey, I killed somebody. Right. So that's like yeah. one of those, that's the most drama like we've really had in a game that I've participated in. Yeah. And it's all like very subtle in the background. Like, oh my God, this happened at one point in the history of the game. And mm-hmm. someday we might find out what happens from it. <laughs> and so it's not even a murder mystery. Like it's not even that intense. It's just like one right. person in town knows about it and they're really stressed. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. And uh, the rest of the time it's just like, I don't know, his dad's sick. So he's trying to help him get like health insurance and pay for his <laughs> bills and like people are trying to juggle their time with their wolf pack versus you know their business and it's it's very mundane <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i love it it's it's been so satisfying cuz like i've never explored this kind of stuff in game before mm that's a really good point and and like you you mentioned in the um like in the intro and stuff too that violence and fights and that sort of stuff like doesn't play a central role in this game that it is about the mundane mm mm-hmm. And the drama and oh boy, like health insurance though, that's super stressful. Right. <laughs> like, um, but it's like a quiet drama kind of thing. It's a thing you mm-hmm. deal with every day. There's no like big burst of what's going on. Yeah. And quiet drama for this was really important to me because, uh, part of what I realized with Monster Hearts is it's just sometimes too stressful for me. Yeah. Like I can't handle games that are always on. And mm-hmm. there's, there is a fair amount of like relaxing downtime in turn. Like you have stressors constantly, just like real life. But sometimes you just sit down and watch a movie with your friends or have a cup of tea. Like we, we instituted in that game, like a group of shifters of us, we have tea every Sunday. Oh. And that's part of how we like de-stress with each other and commune. Oh. And. There's a lot of stuff like that that crops up in play, like where people realize like that the downtime is just as important as, you know, dealing with these constant life stressors that you have. Yeah. I will point out, I know that like healthcare and stuff like that are stressful things. Your script change is a part of the game 
Um, mm. And you can rule out entire, like, topics at the beginning of game. Like, I don't ever want to deal with family death in this game. Like, I just don't want to do it. We're not doing it. And that's okay. Yeah. So, like, that's an accepted part of the way the game runs. Awesome. And the last time you were on, we got into script change a bit. So if heroes haven't listened to that, they should go either listen to it and or check it out because it's a really useful tool. Thank you. I, I started incorporating it into my con games and it's it's real helpful. I found it's especially useful whenever you're doing games that deal with like really complicated topics um, mm -hmm. because like the script change is designed to be like kind of cinematic because you're going to metagame this. This is not like a diegetic thing but in turn like sometimes stuff comes up that's hard that we don't even really realize is hard like mm -hmm. and it's not because the game angles towards hurting people it purposefully tries to you know say be safe and be careful with yourselves right but it is about kind of real life just with an added shift yeah stuff can come up that we don't even realize is difficult or upsetting even yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it, and it, it really matters. Like, I've had some stuff. I've never had to use script change in turn at all, but it's always been there on the table, and that makes a difference for how I play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about how this works mechanically, sure. then. Uh, how these characters and how stress works um, and how all that sort of happens. So there's... The character sheets look uh, a bit like playbooks that heroes might be familiar with. There are moves, ways to have relationships written down with other characters. Um, they've got goals, which I always like seeing that in a game. I feel like that helps That helps everybody kind of understand what we want to do here. Yeah, I will caution that a lot of the stuff that looks like PBTA might not function mm -hmm. exactly like PBTA because it's destructive design, so it gets yeah. a little weird. Cool. So... The the first things um, I just want to mention are that there are three core kind of mechanical things that affect the characters, the characters, character sheets and play. Um, and that mm -hmm. is uh, stress, which is gained basically like whenever you do things that make you have to resist against um, your opposite half. There is exposure, which is about how revealed you are to mundanes around you including mm -hmm. towns and PCs and animal groups, because some people have, like, packs and stuff like that, and those are populated with mundane animals. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the struggles that use the the dice, basically. Um, and struggles replace moves, and oh. they function differently. Struggles are, they're like moves. Like, they have the 7-9 kind of ladder, um, mm -hmm. and they're very fiction-first. But the way they work is, first, anything you decide to do in turn, you will do, you succeed at. It just may take time, and it will have consequences. Ooh. And so, like, a lot of the time whenever people are playing, if they can manage to, like, do something that makes sense for both of their forms, uh, like, both sides of their identity, and it doesn't, like, look like it's gonna, like, hurt anybody or anything like that, they can mm -hmm. try and scoot by without having to make a roll, which can be really fun. But if there's any possibility that, say, you're out hunting as a wolf and the human in you really does not want to eat that rabbit, mm. you're going to have to, you know, take a roll to, you know, free your beast and, like, really, like, dig into what you're doing. Yeah. And you still do what you're doing regardless. The difference is 
determined by the struggles of what the consequences are for your actions. Mm, okay. So you catch the rabbit, absolutely. But what happens in the meantime? Yeah. Um, is basically what, what those questions are. And you roll 2d6 and can, for almost all of the struggles, you can add a additional die called the turn die. Mm-hmm. And the turn die you activate by looking at the powers and abilities on your, uh, human and beast sheets. Um, and saying, well, in my opposing form, so like I'm in my human form and in my beast form, I can do this. So I can call in the turn die because of that. Oh, okay. So it basically makes it easier for you to do a thing if you can justify it. But when you do that, you take stress, yeah. which then piles on to uh, encouraging you on your way <laughs> to changing forms again. Yeah, I see there's stress track for human and beast. Yep. Uh, you mark it cool. based on the form that you're in at the time. Okay. And there are ways to reduce stress between um, prioritizing and putting yourself first and ha- having someone have a heart. And um, basically th- those are struggles that people can use to uh, mm-hmm. reduce their stress. And some of the human abilities and, and um, beast abilities can help reduce it as well. A lot of emphasis is placed on like community and working together as well to, yeah. to help with that. But um, the powers and the abilities are based on like the kind of beast or human you are. And they function a lot more like actual moves, but you still succeed, like at the narrative thing that you're doing. The mechanical effects are, um, and consequences are decided by the role. Okay. And, um, there are natures, uh, which are the habits and instincts, which are the stats. Yeah. And those are, um, either added or subtracted from your role. So, like, when you're doing your struggles, you subtract your opposing form's stats from your role. Oh. And that's the struggle, right? Oh, cool. And um, with your powers, you actually get to add the stats from your current form. And the same with your abilities. Nice. Okay. So human forms have habits. Mm -hmm. So are these sort of like approaches to things? Because I see easy, tactful, subtle, and generous. Is that kind of like a good way to think about them? or? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they're they're kind of just supposed to represent like ways of being and and having things so like Mm. with a lot of ease you're typically you know a a human who is well established in human society so like late bloomers are more likely to have a lot of ease heirs are as well and like with generous you're better at like being kind to people and caring for people and stuff like that and likewise whenever you're in your opposing form and they want to do things that don't do that uh (laughs) they struggle against that and it can be a little entertaining, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So those are just their absolute value because you can use them as bonuses or penalties. Ooh. And then you also have the goals, which you mentioned, which are super important because that's how you advance. Ooh. Okay. Completing goals helps you get more powers, more abilities. It gets you uh, new beast archetypes if you want to try and be a multi-form beast. Nice. Yeah. And they're, some of them are hard. Some of them are super easy. Okay. On the human sheet, they're meant to be done over a longer, little bit longer period of time because some of them are like convince like people to change their minds and stuff like that. And that can mm. be, you know, difficult, but they have a slightly bigger punch whenever you do achieve them. And yeah. basically when you do them, you get to on your next birth month, you get to uh, write in a new goal. Oh, Okay. Do you have, like, guidelines for what makes a good goal? Yes. Cool. Yeah, they're in there. Right now they're in the town manager section of the beta. 
And okay. we're working on rearranging the document actually to be a little bit more approachable. Mm-hmm. I'm just not super great with document organization of my own work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that feel. <laughs> yeah. Um, the B-Schools are a little different, though. I will say they actually are static, so you don't ever replace mm. them. You just do the same goal every season, like every same season. So, like, they have one for each spring, summer, fall, and winter. Mm. And every spring, summer, fall, and winter, you do that same goal. And it renews. Okay. Yeah. I see, like, the bear has a winter goal of sleep until somebody misses you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. I'm sorry. That's cute. <laughs> some of them, I will be honest, I went a little cutesy with some stuff. Yeah. But, like, and, like, with the powers, some of them are a little, like, punny and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I tried to make sure that the mechanical aspect never was lacking. Yeah. But and and like that absolutely makes sense that that they would have the same goal kind of every year like animals do the same things more or less. Right. Um, they're like they're that. very yeah. cyclical. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's how the the goals work and um so far we when people have achieved goals it's been like it's such a like a human goals, it's been like such a big deal. And like the beast goals are always like this, I have to do this, it's my obligation kind mm-hmm. of thing. But they are fun things too sometimes. So yeah. we actually just had one of the one of the goals in our newer game that we just started like a month or so ago, where the bear has to find someone like them and take them to their den. Hmm. And it says find someone like them because I wanted it to be very flexible. Ah. And um because I tried to there's there's only I think one uh, beast that has a goal that is directly related to mating, and that's the bison. And mm. it says, find a mate and mate. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty explicit. <laughs> um, but that's it. Because I wanted people to have plenty of options where you had nothing to do with, like, sex and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And it is important to note that the beast goals are always completed entirely in beast form. <laughs> uh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the... Human goals are human form. Like, you have to complete them in, any, in the given form. Yeah. Um, in part because some of them imply, like, activities. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't want people thinking that they had to do weird things. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the bear just, like, took one of the other shifters back to his den to hang out. And, <laughs> like, in beast form. And that was fulfilling that goal. They, cool. They're pretty interpretable. Um, yeah, I tried to make them most of them that way. Anyway, awesome. I see on the sheets a little a little scissors dotted line. What is? Ah, so one of my requirements for the game mm-hmm. is that the character sheets had to join in some fashion mm-hmm. to be two parts that become one. Um, so what you do is you cut slits there on yeah. each sheet beast and your human mm-hmm. sheet, and then you slide them together. Oh. And they become one sheet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. the ah. I really love it. It's one of my favorite things. It is, like, partially inspired by uh, Will Highmarch had a game I had been trying for a little while at this point mm-hmm. to figure out this is what actually pushed me to start officially doing turn uh, in in earnest i had been trying for a while to figure out how to do like multiple character sheets and he yeah. had a game that i cannot recall the name of about like automatons and mm. um stuff that had multiple character sheets mm. 
and I took them. I, he very graciously let me look at the um, sheets. They look nothing like the ones that we have here, but it helped me think about it a little bit. Like he sent me the InDesign file and everything. And cool. I turned to John, my genius. And I was like, can you make these go together? <laughs> I was yeah. like, can you do this? And he like ran a few ideas by me and, and that one worked really well. And like, he's been a godsend with the like layout and uh, all of that stuff, preparing the project. And obviously, like, being my sounding board. Mm-hmm. So, I um, I love those character sheets so much. They're so great. That's so cool. I have to try this after we're done. <laughs> like, print a couple out. Very cool. That kind of covers a lot of the mechanics at play. We talked about struggles. Yeah, I don't think I detailed exposure much. I don't know if you want me to... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Exposure. I'm curious about how that happens, whether, you know, like how much of it is on purpose, if there's, if it's accidental. And then I liked, I really liked a thing in the game text about how there's no in-between state. Like you are human or you are beast. You are not like, you don't have like weird eyes or you don't have like the, the furry ears to show somebody like. Um, yeah. So um, there are ways that you can like, your eyes can briefly look not like human eyes um, mm. whenever you're stressed out or whenever you're doing something with a power. Mm, okay. Or you might dig your nails in deeper and leave behind claw marks, but it's never anything lasting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always that kind of like brief, What what is this like figment of a thing that reveals you? Oh. That, you know, someone could probably say is fake, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but really isn't. And it can be behavioral too. Like even like I'm really cold whenever I go to pick up my sandwich at the counter and everybody knows that I'm normally really nice. Yeah. So exposure happens most of the time, either when you use a power mm-hmm. or when you struggle. And when you struggle and your consequence is exposure, it's normally because you're having trouble reconciling your identities. And so It'll be something, anything from a behavioral thing, like I mentioned, to, like, maybe you do, like, genuinely struggle to resist to turn. And you choose that, like, Mm -hmm. as part of what you're doing. Like, maybe you're trying to be scary. Once my character in uh, the one game used Shriek, which is, like, uh, one of the cougar's powers, where Mm -hmm. you can, like, basically shriek really loud to grab people's attention... And that's a way that I was using a power, so I'm going to obviously risk incurring exposure. Like, that's not what a human sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but sometimes, like, we, we've been pretty flexible with how people express, but you never go into an in-between stage or mm-hmm. anything. Like, there's never any, like, I morph halfway like in Teen Wolf. No. You, you are either a human or you are a beast, or you're showing evidence of your other form. Ah, okay. Is basically the only ways that you can be. Cool. And that's partially because I didn't... I don't, I, like, part of me loves, like, the hybrid forms in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, but they're so underworld, and, like... <laughs> yeah. They, they've got some problems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, like, exposure is really interesting because it can be for social things, it can be for physical things, you know... And it can be positive or negative uh, when you receive it. So, like, you might lift something heavy off of someone in an emergency. And 
that gets you mm-hmm. positive exposure because it's obviously you, you shouldn't be that strong. Mm-hmm. But you could also have like maybe you like bare your teeth at somebody who cut you off in traffic and that causes exposure and it'd be negative mm-hmm. while the other would be positive. And as positive and negative exposure add up uh, and they hit the end, you do a couple of dice rolls. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of the places where you, you find out whether you are going to be revealed, um, which is kind of like exposed to whichever group you, um, whether it's an individual NPC or an animal group or mm-hmm. to the town itself, which is revealed as kind of like the in-between state where like they let you be there, but they don't necessarily like you. Oh, okay. And then there's reviled, which is the worst result and sounds just as bad as it sounds. Uh, (laughs) And um, there's also known, which is if you were to get lucky enough to have a whole bunch of positive and succeed at your role. Yeah. Whenever you are known to the town or the NPCs or whatever, and the NPCs pile up into the town eventually, Mm -hmm. it can make it so you're accepted as Mm. a shifter in the town, which doesn't actually mean all of the other shifters in the game are, which is why it's a long play game. Gotcha. Even if you do get to the end of that track quickly, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily okay for all the others. Right. Oh, okay. How has that worked out in, in your long game that you've been playing? Like, have, have any characters gotten that far? Uh, Bo is, like, really teetering. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, I mean, part of it is most of the people that I'm playing with are very savvy role players, so they know mm-hmm. how to like play to their strengths and stuff like that. And that's fine. It's fine to game this game. I'm yeah. cool with that. Um, if it's more fun that way, whatever. But, uh, Bo has been very rapidly, uh, just ramping up. Like he, uh, basically purposefully, um, exposed his cougar identity to the man he is in love with Ooh. and became like known to him as an NPC and everything. Mm-hmm. And he, I think, just got a little bit cocky and had a little bit of trouble holding back, like, his identity. Because he's still new to it. Like, he's only been a shifter, like, knowing it for a couple, like, less than two years. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, <laughs> he's now, I think he got, he has, like, two marks left. Oof. <laughs> and I honestly have no idea how it's going to turn out. And I'm really scared because, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, one of the rules is uh, with the design of turn was that players should never feel fear. Mm. And I know now that most players could play this game with absolutely no problem because it took getting to this point for me to get anywhere close to feeling fear. Oh, wow. Um, So I was really happy that that design is showing through. Um, yeah. I've done test rolls of you know, what can happen. And when it comes to, if you are known, you're fine. You continue on in the town and then your friends have to figure out what the heck's going on with them. Mm -hmm. If you're revealed, it's uncomfortable, but you'll manage and the same with your friends. But if you're reviled, it sends you directly to the section on violence. Oh. And this is the only time that violence comes up in game as a guaranteed thing. Mm. And you have three choices. In violence, in turn, anytime it comes up. So if it's if it's one person, you can do whatever you want. So like if it's an NPC, you can kill them, Shanghai them out of town, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You choose that. You do that. You're done. Um, the consequences will out. But for larger groups, like should the whole town find out that you're a shifter and 
gather together to investigate, especially if they're armed, any number over four people. You have three choices. Mm. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the choices are basically you can sacrifice yourselves to save the others. Mm-hmm. You can leave the town and never come back. Mm. Or you can kill them all. Oof. Yeah. Because violence, whenever you have superpowers, should be a super serious thing. Yeah. And um, it never says that shifters can't die. They just have really amazing regeneration. So right. it's very hard for them, too. Yeah. Um, so if you choose to sacrifice yourself, you will do so. Oh, boy. But if you run away, you're alone. Yeah. Like, I have I have made an agreement as a player that if I run away from the town, like, with Bo, my character, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, Diego comes with me because I can't handle this. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Like, oh, uh, man. And it's you can never come back if you leave. So it's 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 a very Oof. brutal possibility. But yeah, that that had to be a real part of the possible ending. If you have a character that goes through that, but you can build a new character and cool. immediately start playing. Oh, that's good. So, uh, like you're never like now I can't play the game ever again because <laughs> uh, that's stupid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> instead, you just you know you have to say goodbye to a character. In the way that you choose. Right. Or they make a choice that drastically changes them. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's heavy, but that's cool. Like, that's the only way you could deal with that, I think. Yeah, I ran it through so many different possibilities of, like, how I would handle it. And I had it once. It was just, like, they just ran away. And I was like, but that doesn't resolve mm-hmm. all of the options. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and I also wanted to show the severity of what violence is. And yeah. so that that's why this is one of the, like, violence in turn is just by default very brutal and, and to the point. You don't mm-hmm. always have to describe it, obviously, but. Right. But it actually, it, it means something here. Right. Like, that's something that I think happens in, in other games. It, it loses a lot of meaning, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Considering how much you control you have over it, like. Mm-hmm. Whether you elect for it to happen or not, because even if there is like a, a situation of violence, you can always say, well, I don't do it hard enough to hurt them or something like right, that right. Uh, with smaller groups. But it's always got it. It's always an issue. Like so long as violence is an issue in our world, as much as I like there are other games I've created and that I'll continue to create that don't have violence in them. Mm-hmm. But for this specific one, whenever we're talking about characters with superpowers. Yeah. And we're also talking about issues of prejudice. Yeah. It's. It's going to happen, like... Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's a little heavy compared to the rest of the game, but it that is the uh, that is the, the hard-hitting bit, I think. That's okay. That's, I mean, it's important, and it gives it that much more weight than that if that's, like, the heavy part, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, is there anything else about the game that you wanted to talk about or about the experience that you're, you're creating for people to have? I think the most that I would say is probably that if you do, you know, have the opportunity to play turn, I, I hope that you will embrace the quiet drama and the slice of life themes of the game because I have found that everyone who does has a richer and more enjoyable experience. And has a longer time to play. Mm. And also find something new. Yeah. So yeah. I hope so too. And I want to hear about these cool, these cool characters and cool towns that people build because 
Yes. There's there's such a uh, possible like breadth of possibilities here. So awesome. And then we'll, uh, when yes. this episode comes out, turns should be on Kickstarter right now. Yay! Uh, when does the campaign run until? The campaign will run from October 31st to November 30th. Perfect. So we'll have those links. And then is there anything that you wanted to add about the Kickstarter? So the Kickstarter backer levels are an opportunity for you to choose your inner beast. Ooh. There's one for each of the beast archetypes that's in the core game, including um, some limited specials for getting me to create a custom beast for you, a custom oh, town cool. with you, and some uh, live play sessions uh, as well run by me or John. Nice. Um, John is the much better GM, which is why he is on offer. <laughs> and he is he knows just as much about the game as I do in applications. So I, I think that those will be wonderful opportunities for people. None of them go intensely high, but they are higher uh, uh, backer levels. And yeah. um, there's uh, like a retailer level and a, a community one. Uh, the bison level is mm-hmm. uh, if you get that level, you get a copy, print and PDF for you, and one for a marginalized community member chosen by yourself or me. Awesome. So uh, thank that. you to uh, Oren and a few other Kickstarters uh, for the inspiration on that. Awesome. So folks can check that out. And then where can they find you and your other games online? So you can find me at com, which is my main site, you can also find my games at breecs.itch.io, and I, if you search for me on DriveThru and IPR, some of my games are out there. And on Twitter, I am currently at Thoughty Games, is my kind of public mm-hmm. businessy account these mm-hmm. days. And you can also follow up with my other projects like Leading with Class um, on Twitter at Leading with Class. Oh um, yeah, at Leading W Class. Sorry. And and uh, has a Patreon just like my blog does. Perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm all over the place. <laughs> you can find me. Yeah, you're findable. You got lots of games and cool stuff out there. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. This was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to read to read the rest of this now. <laughs> and, and print these sheets. I gotta play with these sheets. It's a craft project. I have to do it. <laughs> They're really fun. I love yeah. them so much. Um, and cause you can actually, uh, if you get multiple archetypes, you mm-hmm. can swap out the archetypes. Oh. So you s- shift them in and out. And it's just that's so good. That's cool. All right. <laughs> Everybody go check this out. Huge thanks to Bree for coming back again. And as always, you can find links on the site. If you haven't checked out Bree's blog or leading with class yet, do yourself a favor and check those out. That's all for this week, heroes. Follow Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast, or send us questions, comments, and suggestions through email at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is part of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts, including shows like this one. System Mastery is a delightful stroll through the history of role-playing games, except the games are terrible and the hosts are real jerks about everything. Join hosts Jeff and John as they explore the weirdest games ever made to talk about what worked, what went wrong, and which Silverhawk was the best. It was Hotwing. Don't even at them. Find their shows at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. To find out more about this and other shows on the network, visit OneShotPodcast.com. 
Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then. <laughs>